Hello, dear listener, and welcome to My Favorite Cantrip. Before we get into tonight's episode, just a word on a couple of things. One, you may discover we've spent a little extra time in the MagnaCoil laboratory this past week, and, well, there might be some audio distortions. We hope it isn't troubling to you. We hope it doesn't bother you. We did not run into Eldan. Who knows what happened to that person? But... We hope that you enjoy the episode nonetheless. We had a great time talking about recipes for monsters, how to cook them and eat them, that is, as well as all sorts of other things. If you like what we're putting out there, we really hope you'll leave us a review on your favorite podcast app or service. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Google Podcasts. We have an embedded player on our website, myfavoritecantrip.com, and I'm sure there's several other places you can find us as well. But we'd really love to get feedback from you on whether you're enjoying the episodes. Leave us a review. Give us a shout out. We'd really appreciate that. Also, if you're really enjoying it and you'd like to support us and help us be able to put out immersion weekends, live streams on Discord, short arcs with special guests, new merch, including t-shirts, bumper stickers, we ask you to join us over on Patreon. We've got several tiers, including the League of Cockabee Horcus Porcus. Oh, Mrs. Fox is being noisy again, I see. And you can join Cockabee and all his friends. You can join the Cantroop, the Cantrip of the Month Club, where, guess what? You get a new Cantrip of the Month. And the Cantrippers. We'd really love your support. In addition... Give us a shout out over on Twitter at MyFaveCantrip. Hashtag I love Priapus. Let us know what you love about the episodes, about the show, feedback, whatever you want. And also drop us a question. We like to answer listener questions every month on our Talking Heads episodes. You can find us on Instagram at the underscore goddess divine or myself at destiny underscore manifest. Again, we hope you'll visit with us often. We hope you'll visit with us again soon, and we hope you enjoy tonight's episode. Thanks, dear listeners. Talk to you in a minute. This is a Weird Mimosa. check failed and you're all alone there's only one action to take well maybe two it's a bonus action when the goblins are all around your rogue is dead and the cleric is down it's time to bust out and cast my favorite cantrip my favorite cantrip the one that makes you slow down my favorite cantrip go zip bit bang fizzle and boom my favorite cantrip shoot sparks and colored lights my favorite cantrip makes dope sounds in a room your sidekick has run far away 
Your familiar's been sent back wild to the fay. There's only one course to take. Make colored sparks and a hasty retreat. Toll the bell and run like hell. And pray to all the gods for my favorite cantrip. Oh, my goodness. I'm playing with a few under the table. Awesome. That's staying in, too. That could be a stinger. Reagan, do you know what day it is? What day is it, Lane? It's Friday. What? That means it's recording day. It's recording Yay! day. Oh, my favorite cantrip. My favorite cantrip. No, my favorite cantrip. No, for Christ's sake. <laughs> for Cthulhu's sake. <laughs> what is it? The one who looms. For, that wasn't it. Uh, uh, <laughs> the, one who the one who lurks. <laughs> for the one who lurks his sake. <laughs> I know. I'm afraid of God. It is the one who looms. <laughs> <laughs> Which really just means it weeps. It's a right. weaver. It's a weaver. Yeah, yeah. It's looming. <laughs> what's what's God doing? Looming. Looming. Hi. Hi. Talking head night. It is talking head night. And you know what? What? I have collected a bunch of fun questions. I've heard that. I understand you're kind of our um, master of ceremonies tonight. Right? I'm the curator. Oh, the curator. <laughs> Uh, what, what language is that? I've just made it up. Because the word is English, but... I'm going to create the language. <laughs> Unless it's got an E with a little with a little accent. I'm just a freaking J.R.R. Tolkien over here. Don't. 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 Too soon? Too soon. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. I thought you were saying George R.R. Martin. <laughs> no. I'm totally cool with you being a J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> I mean, it's totally yeah, cool. Right? Yeah, right. It's not too yeah, soon. Yeah. We have talked about this. You keep saying that over and over. <laughs> so you have collected and curated questions for us. Is this I correct? I have. Yes. And what sources have you culled these questions from? <laughs> from the sources of the webs of Inter. The <laughs> I reached out and said, "Hey, what questions y'all got?" And uh we got some questions. This from is it. great. I'm I'm excited, and they're all D and D related, right? Oh sure. We'll get there eventually. We're yes. gonna make them all D and D related <laughs> somehow, aren't we? Look, <laughs> look. I'm looking. We have said that we will answer any question people this want to ask. This is true. Us. I'm gonna lay it out there. You're gonna are you lay ready? It down? I'm ready. Hold on, let me brace. Are you gonna pick it up? I'm, I'm gonna pick if up. If I put it down, down, are you gonna pick it up? I'm gonna pick it up. I'm gonna pick it up. Look, pick dear up. listeners, if it? I lay it down, will you pick it up? I can't answer for that. They said yes. Great. You can literally have the shirt off my back. Like literally. You literally. <laughs> but you can have it. You can have it. Yep. Yep. It's, it's true. It's true. I, I've got nothing else. I'm I'm literally giving my all. And what does that have to do with these questions? I'm gonna give it my all tonight. Oh. Including the shirt off your back. Including the shirt off my back, and we're going to make it about you. Okay. Shall we dig in? Challenge accepted. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, um, do you do you want kind of like a, a slow pitch first, or do you, do you just want my fastball right out of the gate? <laughs> <laughs> Dear listener, chaos rules. So... I'm getting ready to be chaotic stupid. Here we go. Pitch whatever you want. Okay. Pitch your woo at me. The first question 
which came from our friend Frank Lee. Oh, hello, Frank Lee. <laughs> Frank Lee uh, added a gift. For real. For real. Can you share it? I can't share can it in this format, it? but I can describe it. <laughs> he would be a well-known singer uh-huh. saying, who will save your soul? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. This would be that opportunity to where if I was the worldwide webs of inters, yes. where I would rickroll you. <laughs> that's just cruel. <laughs> just cruel. And that's a follow-up question that I'd like to ask, which is, have you ever rickrolled someone in-game? What I would like to know as well, dear listeners, have you ever been rickrolled in-game? Oh, we want to know about that. We want to know that. Have you been on Discord? And where somebody's dropped a little something in your DMs, and you go to open it up, and you find yourself in Rickroll. I would actually like to add that if you have been Rickrolled in a physical table game, Ooh. I want to know about How does that, that happen? Does someone just pass know. their phone over, and there, and there he is? Or do they just stand up and start singing? Is that the same? I feel like you can get rickrolled by proximity. Never gonna let you go. Oh my God! Never gonna let you right go. Never gonna let you go. Never gonna let you. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not sure how to answer that, Ray. Well, it better relate to D and D. Okay. You have said you're gonna give it up. You're all. In the game, I think, uh, who will save your soul is probably a uh, powerful Solar or Celestial. Oh. Interesting. Possibly Coralon the Refuge. <laughs> Very specific. But only if you're an elf. Hmm. I would say that who will save your soul at the table would definitely have to be someone that wants to make you a warlock. Uh, which again could be a powerful solar or celestial. It because then be. you could be a warlock of the celestial. It could be one who looms. <laughs> Though is 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 they who loom, are they a celestial? They seem more of an earth deity to me than, than some sort of light deity. I mean, a god is a god. Everyone's got to have warlocks on the planet. A god is a god. I think there there we have it right there. We have the answer to the question. <laughs> who will say a a your soul? A god is a god. They don't matter. And they're gonna have expectations. Yeah. And you're gonna have to pay. They ain't gonna do it for free. Pay and pay. They might give you a shadowy book. <laughs> or a or, sword. Or a chain? For an animal. <laughs> but that's right. A god is a god, but they're going to want something back. I think that I'm going to have to create a monster that ripples. Like some sort of corrupted bard, right? <laughs> oh, God. Who just... It just, it just wanders through everyone's landscapes. Because that's all, they can, that's all they can do anymore. Somehow... They made a pact oh. for power. Bard warlock. Bardlock. Bardlock. And um, but in return, they who loom said <laughs> all they can ever do. The only song they can ever do is never gonna push you down or whatever the hell that's on an infinite Rick loop song. because they Astley, Astley, Rick Astley. <laughs> Rick Aston. Do you see what I did there? <laughs> yeah, I see what it's another know. time team reference yeah. to your dear well, listeners. No. Oh, Stone of Crows coming. Right. But yeah, the poor Bardlock, that's the only song they know, is they wander from town to town. They just rickroll people in the street. Oh, God. Oh, the horror. Talk about a murder hobo campaign. If you decide to add that into your campaign, please let us know. 
Yes. We want you, that bar lock to work through all right? of your campaigns. Oh my God. Y'all, hit us up, Twitter, at MyFaveCantrip. <laughs> or email us. You can find our email on our I mean, website. Get the phone and call us. We really need to know about that. Call Reagan. At <laughs> <laughs> 555 555. At 375213 Literally, Ryan is like literally. literally is like an ooze or a mold in a dungeon. They literally rub off on you, and the cool comes off. We got spored. Or gets we got on. Spored with cool. Cool gets on. <laughs> cool get on. You got cool on you. Never gonna give you up. <laughs> Never gonna let you go. <laughs> what is that Barnlock's name? A Rick. <laughs> no, it can't be. Oh, um. Yeah. More dwelling going. No. No. What? More dwelling going. No. Um, Felicia. <laughs> so you can always be like, bye, Felicia. Never gonna get it. Bye, Felicia. That's see, how you just spell the bar that's it. Bye, that's Felicia. It. Oh my gosh. Now see, this is turning into a spell. Oh, it is. Yeah. This is no mere. No, it's got to be a cantrip because you got to be able to cast it whenever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but you can dispel it with bot. <laughs> Dear listener, <laughs> you just watched. You're witnessing the creative process. A sun being born. It, right? Yeah. An S U N. Yes, that was what I, I'm not in labor, and you're not either. Remember that whole <laughs> who's going to say Abe your soul? I think Reagan just gave the other answer. The sun. <laughs> if you find a Bible on a bench wrapped no. in a Ziploc bag, <laughs> don't, don't take that it. Up. Don't pick that up. Don't take it. Nope. No. That is, uh, there is no good to be found there. But Reagan, let me ask you. Yeah. How did you get so cool? Well, I mean, the same way you did. I got, I got Ryan's board. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So is Ryan a Myconid? Is she? I don't know. Oh my. Lord. It's possible. It's possible. We're going to have to ask. Yeah. Yeah. You're why we're so damn cool. So Ryan, I think that's the answer. It's you. Next question. Which common monsters are edible, and do you have a favorite recipe? I think all of them. Isn't that one of those questions that's all relative depending on what perspective you're coming from in the first place? Let's I mean, explain. Well, really, if you're a black dragon, right. isn't practically everything going to be edible? Are you? Have you ever been allowed to play a dragon in a campaign? No. As far as I know, there's no player race for dragon. Oh, there's uh -huh. dragon born. Right, right. There might be a half dragon out there somewhere in. Like uh, Earth, Arcana land. I'm thinking more like more like homebrew country. Homebrew country. Welcome to homebrew country. Right now we're here on homebrew country. <laughs> we're talking about 
have you ever played a dragon in a campaign before? Reagan, I've got my I've got my uh, good friend and thirty eight thousand time Grammy winner Reagan Wan here. On on homebrew country. I always wanted to be on homebrew country. Well, and now here you are, darling. And uh, it didn't take you anything but thirty-eight thousand Grammy awards to get here. I mean, I've been working awful hard since I was thirteen years old. Let's get yeah. let's get to the real meat of the matter. Me? <laughs> Have you ever played a dragon in a campaign? No, no one's ever let me. Dear listener, what you none of you know right now is we have a question on what is edible and what's not. There's literally a cat eating guitar strings. <laughs> that is a true story. Literally. 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 Take a picture. If you go to our website. <laughs> they are metal guitar strings. You will see this delightful picture. I'll post this to, to, to the tweets I want as well. to play a cat that eats metal. A metal cat. Um, oh, now he's too bored. They're called tabaxi. <laughs> they could. So, um, we, uh, what an intrusion <laughs> the goddamn cat. And it just won't stop. If you're looking for the worst big bad for your campaign that you can come up with, the goddamn, the goddamn cat, cat is, is it. Yep. Shall we get back to the question? Which common monsters are edible, and what's your favorite recipe? Again, I, I think that comes down to the perspective of who you are, first and foremost. <laughs> what do you find edible? We were speaking myconids earlier. I'd eat a myconid. Who doesn't love a mushroom sautéed in butter, right? Well, that's just, a good point. Just uncork your alchemy jug, dump out some mayonnaise, <laughs> uh, or a little oil, both, actually. Yeah. Uh, sauté those myconids up. Really, uncork that alchemy jug. Pour a little oil in a pan, saute up those those little conscious mushrooms, and eat the shit out of them with some mayonnaise. Oozes? I don't know. Can you boil an ooze down? I kind of get the feeling that an ooze can you, use you would it? need to eat like aspic. Well, I was just I was just thinking that. Can you <laughs> right? use it for uh, like gelatin? Can you just slice? Is it a gelatin off substitute? On a salad. Isn't it aspic? I. I feel like it's asking. If your gelatinous cube has absorbed three fifths of your of your party, doesn't it already count as aspic? It's absorbed the it, meat. It is. It's it. Yeah. I, I mean, that's it just gelatin. I think it has. Uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. I would avoid eating hobgoblins, mm -hmm. not because I don't think they're edible, but just good God, sweaty, gross. Ugh. You think they taste bad even if you clean them up? Just gamey. Some things just are just gamey. gamey. Just yeah. gamey. Yeah. 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 It's true. Absolutely. It's true. Pretty much most of your... You uh, have to really soak them in maple syrup yeah. for a long time. Pretty, yeah. And who's got time and for vinegar. that? Mm, so yeah. much vinegar. Yeah. Again, dear listener, the most underused item in the game, the alchemy jug. No one ever lets me have no one. No one ever lets you have one. Because you can do anything with an alchemy jug. You can make Hobgoblin palatable if you've got an alchemy jug. You can't. If you've got an alchemy jug and a couple of days... And dang it, if you've got a Hewer Tandy spice pouch as well, oh, you can season that shit, gone. and you can you could make hobgoblin sliders, little mayo, Just like that. Pull up an allium folk and allium. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're little onion people. Uh, it's a cobalt press <laughs> thing. Uh, slice them up, put them on your put them on your uh, put them on your bread. Why are you killing us? <laughs> Because you're tasty and make my food spicy. Um, so yes, I, I think we've determined Does that. Does that mushroom have eyes? Now, 
Hush, garlic person. <laughs> what, what are the little tops of garlic plants that you can eat called? Um. Okay. <laughs> Never gonna let you up. Never gonna let you go. So uh, I think anything monstrous mm -hmm. in the monster manual, you can eat. I mean, it's like cow, basically. You know, who would need a katoblapos? Anybody would. It's like a big, it's like a big fucking cow. What about a skeleton? Though? What are you gonna do? You can only make bone broth. Bone broth, Reagan. Um, bone okay. broth. Okay. Grind that shit up. Make a bone broth. If you're a zombie, Romans love you. What? <laughs> Little fish sauce, oh, little uh, uh, little fermented fish sauce. There you go. There you go. I mean, yeah, you can eat anything. Okay. Favorite recipe? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think we've just discussed it. Take freshly killed hobgoblin, uh -huh. cut off the juicy bits. Frankly, here we're going to get into a little bit of anatomy. If you go in through the <laughs> abdomen, mm -hmm. you can get to the hobgoblin's psoas muscles, mm -hmm. which runs. Uh, uh, yeah, be careful not to puncture the stomach, or it'll ruin the meat. That's true. Mm -hmm. I mean, the meat's half ruined anyway. It's fucking hobgoblin ribbon. But uh, little known fact: the psoas muscle is what tenderloin is. Oh. So you can pull out the hobgoblin's tenderloin. And marinate that bad boy in some of the vinegar from your alchemy jug yep. Yep. for a day or so, so that uh, the next day you can decant a little oil from your alchemy jug. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, put that aside. Yep. Just put it aside. Just hold on to it. Hold on to it. You don't need it right now. Right. The next day, yep. decant a little bit of, of um, fish sauce out of your alchemy mm -hmm, jug. Mm -hmm. Let that sit, because really, you really want you that want good, you want that good steak. Yeah. The next day, mm -hmm. Mayonnaise. Wow. Decant the mayonnaise out of uh -huh. your alchemy jug. Yep. Then saute that up day. that day. Yep. You saute up, uh, first you got to grind or finely chop, you know, not a coarse chop, a fine chop of the hobgoblin so as uh -huh. it's been marinating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Add in some allium folk uh, for flavor. Yep. Uh, Once they stop screaming, you're Preferably going. a juvenile, mm -hmm. the more tender. Yep. <laughs> You know, have you ever had a, a, a really gross old onion, you know, where it's getting a little soft and kind of tangy? Yeah. Stick you don't want me, sonny. Take my <laughs> Take little Timmy to put on your hobgoblin sandwich. <laughs> I'm just going to make it bitter and mushy. <laughs> Let me pour you an ale while you fry up my grandchild. Uh, yeah, so slice little Timmy up. <laughs> the question is, well, here's the thing. <laughs> you don't really need a bun. At this point, we ain't talking sandwiches. We're talking, we're talking like Salisbury steak. Mm -hmm. Right. You just tenderize it a little with your war hammer. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. If you don't have a war hammer, grab the nearest dwarven cleric. They'll have one. <laughs> They're good. They all have they one. They all have one. That's part of the, part of the trade. And uh, yeah, there, there we go. So I think you can eat any of them, but there's my favorite recipe mm -hmm. right there. Yeah. On my favorite cantrip. On your favorite cantrip. Yeah. Uh, on my favorite cantrip. And my feeling if is you, that you would add some sauteed micronids as well. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I'd probably find a yellow mold oh. uh, to make myself some cheese. I see, I see. Yeah. But if I'm understanding correctly... Good, stinky, creamy, soft cheese. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But if I'm understanding correctly, the oozes are right out. That's not going to be part well, of the Well, do you really want your, your meat coated in aspic? 
You know how when you pull out some leftover meat from the fridge and it's got all that? Yeah, you just scrape that stuff away. Nobody nobody loves that. So so no leaves. Unless you're going to store it. Mm-hmm. If you're going to mm-hmm. store, you got to store it in aspect. So yeah, I, I think uh, some hobgoblin so as pounded, ground up, sautéed there with uh, some myconids and, and allium folk covered in, in uh, yellow mold cheese. Yeah. Nailed it. That's, that's gourmet. If you really want to get crazy with it, mm. you cook that shit with a sacred flame. <gasps> what? Yeah. Oh, it adds such a nice level of flavor. And really, isn't that what your celestial or solar patron would want? <laughs> is that is that homemade cheese? Well, I guess it is. <laughs> I found some yellow mold in this dungeon. Why, I shall give you a boon. Ah, thank you, patron. <laughs> a new spell for my tongue. <laughs> Reagan. Lance. Should we move the hell on? I really want to just say that I'm amazed that we milked that much out of that. Mm, milk. Just see what I did there. Also from an alchemy job. Mm-hmm. You could soak the meat in that. Really, I think you need I think you need the vinegar to the break acid. down the tough hobgoblin fibers. Really. Well, there's a, um, there's a there's a lot of fascia in there, a lot of connective tissue in them hobgoblins. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. It may be the tenderest part of the hobgoblin. <laughs> I don't mean it's tender. <laughs> it's not no, tender. No. No. I'm. Uh, I think there's a cooking show that is yet to be done. Uh, dear listener, look for that on our Discord channel. How do you find our Discord channel? Why? It's my favorite cantrip. Granted, you have to be invited, and you get there through our Patreon. Do you have to be invited? Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, there you go. Come find our Patreon, my favorite cantrip. What's our next question? I'm going to change gears on us just a little bit. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. How's the shirt on your back? You're still willing well, I'm not to wearing it. one. I literally took it off and sold it to somebody 10 minutes ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. What is... The connection of the spiritual and the creative. This is from one of our creative friends, Sue, and she and her husband are potters. Oh, well, Sue Potter. <laughs> that is how people used to get last names back in the good old days <laughs> when they were serfs. <laughs> Seriously. It's why there are so many people. Fletcher, Miller, Miner. Yeah. yeah. You know, poor person. Surf. <laughs> Who do you know whose last name is poor person? Groveler. Groveler. <laughs> Sycophant. Ah, there's Susie Sycophant over there. Uh, Sue, as a potter, I would expect you already have a, a quite satisfactory answer to this question yourself. Uh, so I can only suppose you are asking us uh, to see if we also have ascended to the 17th and a half level of enlightenment. And all I can tell you is, no, no, we haven't. We're trying. I think from a philosophical perspective, (laughs) the question really is. Hold on, he's pulling out 10 books. Actually, I've got my, my index finger up to my upper lip, pondering like an academic. In a philosophical question, I think what Sue's really asking is, does creativity require spirituality in order to to actually be creative? Where is the artistry in art? What's the difference between craft, which is technical, and art, which implies some sort of transcendence? Hmm. 
is that difference spirituality? Mm. I uh, wish you could see the academic poses he's holding right here. Uh, like my shrugged shoulders in my hands, like that little emoji that we all send out these That's days. That's right. I don't really know the answer to that. Hmm. And I think people have been pondering that since long before the Age of Enlightenment, which has sadly passed in November of 2016. <laughs> R.I.P. Age of Enlightenment. Um, Reason is dead! <laughs> for real. Um, I like to think that you don't need to have a spirituality. And let's, let's be honest, we ain't talking religion. Correct. Because you can bow down and pitch gold coins at the feet of they who loom, and <laughs> it ain't going to get you anywhere, right? Uh, so what is spirituality? A sense of oneness, a sense of connection mm. uh, to others, but it's pretty limiting if you're only connected to other people. I think you need to be connected to, to all life. That's spirituality. So does creativity require a connection to life? Yeah. Yeah, mm. I think so. Mm. I think so. I'm not sure if that was Sue Potter's actual question, but that's my answer. Now, Reagan. Lance. What do you think? Oh, my. Just turning the table. Turning the table. Lazy Susan. Yeah. Uh, well, that is an interesting question to me, and one that I don't know that I have a better answer for than you do. Uh, I am not going to use the academic you're doing it right now. No, you just, I'm just did it. Using it as an example of what I'm not going to oh, do. Oh, yeah. I see. I'm, I see. I'm letting that go. I'm letting it do go. Do me a favor, would you? I'm letting it go. Tear those damn suede things off your elbows. Oh, you know they're 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 sewn into my skin. See here, I thought you weren't going to be a poser. But. Okay, okay. Oh, oh. I'm ripping them off just like a bandage. Oh my oh, gosh. Oh look, they left a mark. <laughs> no, that hurt. I would say in the context of spiritual as not religious and not dogmatic, mm. but of Dogma. the energy of the soul, or even more so the energy of your creative experience, there is a connection mm. because there is that something more that drives you to be creative that we don't always have a name for. Is there? Is that true? Is every, What constitutes creativity? Well, what activities can be counted as creative? Yeah, because at the end of the day, I think all of them can. I don't think that mm -hmm. there is any potential pursuit that doesn't have the capacity to be creative. And that includes really mundane things. Mm -hmm. I think that they can be creative yeah. depending on your approach to them. So at the end of the day, I don't know how to separate the two. You know, I you're, you're painting a picture for me that, that's, that's making a representation, uh, for sure. I'm picking up on what you're laying down, because if what I'm hearing you say... Mm. Oh, the finger's back. <laughs> it never left. Anything can be creative. Mm. Accounting. Sure. Well, well, you don't want listener, to be creative. This is, this is not, a, this is not a, an endorsement of, quote, creative accounting. accounting. However... Although, rest in peace, burning you, it off. Right. Or maybe not in no, peace. No, no, no. Uh, you can certainly, however, promote uh, general accounting principles, uh, GAAP rules, G-A-A-P, in a creative fashion, however, though. I am FA coming for me today. Um, but what I hear you saying is that you can do anything, like you say, mundane things in a creative fashion. Mm -hmm. So what changes them from being mundane to creative if I'm sweeping or or whatever is that connection to spirituality. So what you're saying is that anything can be creative, and to make it creative, it is that connection to spirituality. 
I mean, I think it has to have a connection to your heart, which for many people they would define as soul. So maybe maybe that works. Like I said, I don't feel like I have an answer on that. Is the heart the organ that taps spirituality? Hmm. Or does it lie somewhere in the duodenum? Could be in the spleen. Could be. Think about all the blood that moves through your spleen. It's so much blood, yeah. right? Yeah. You, you really want to bleed something out, that's the place to go, not the heart. Uh, in fact, we didn't mention this before, but once you've captured your hobgoblin, that <laughs> is indeed how you want to feel dress it. Mm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. And get that spleen out. Exactly. So moving on. Moving on. Okay. Great question, uh, Sue the Potter. Thank you. Yes, very deep. So I'm going to move from Sue to Susan, and that's because I really want to say, yay, Susan! Yay, Susan! (laughs) You'll know who we're talking about. That's right. Susan knows. She wants to know who wins in Honey Badger versus Chuck Norris. Honey Badger. Oh, just no discussion. No. Just boom, Honey Badger. You know, it's one of those things that that you would think, you know, Chuck Norris does something to a Honey Badger with his toenail. But you know what? I'm just going to remind everyone listening here today. Mm. Honey Badger don't give a shit. Honey Badger don't give a shit. You can beat Chuck Norris all day till Sunday. Chuck Norris can beat Honey Badger all day till Sunday. You know what? Honey Badger don't give a shit. Honey Badger is going to get back up. Yeah. Until eventually, Chuck Norris is out of toenails. And then. Oh, man. And then. And then. And then. And then it's on. So. Wow. Honey Badger. Don't give a shit. What do you think? I mean, I don't think I can argue with your logic, Mm. honestly. Yeah. I was expecting. What was that that we were saying about the death of reason? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Should we debate? No. Should we take alternate positions? No, I don't think so. Okay. I I think we've nailed it. I think think you nailed it in one. I think it's Honey Badger. So, how about an actual D and D question? Our dear, dear beloved friend Holly has. Hi, Holly. Hi, Holly. We miss you, Holly. We do. Has asked, what are the top five ways to get booted from a campaign? You know, Holly, there's actually been a lot kind of written and said about this. I would like to point out that Holly has asked for the top five, which may mean the most interesting five, Mm. not the most common five. Well, here's the thing, everybody. I know from something else that eating a rotisserie chicken... while playing your game via video Zoom mm. is a good way to get booted that, that game. But in the absence of, I think, number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten are all going to come down to really one thing. Are you a selfish asshole only out for your own ends? Mm. It's pretty obvious that a lot of times, you know, players, DMs come and go because, look, we've all got life. Things happen. We can be having a bad day. We can say something we didn't mean. We could do something we didn't mean all day long. And it doesn't mean we get booted from campaigns, right? But then there's, and we all know this player at the beginning. When they show up and just from the get-go, they don't make any effort to participate with anybody else. If you're not willing to interact with other people, then you've got no place at a table. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Go play. Go play. Play DDO. Play. There's um, any. There's any number of. Do a duet. Right. There's any number of of video versions of role playing games 
or you can go fuck shit up on your own without hurting anybody's feelings. Absolutely. Go do that. Yeah. Um, but if there is an outlet. There's an outlet for that. And again, I'm not talking about the person who's been a part of a long time campaign or something and has a bad day and does something yeah. does something stupid. Um, or or mean or selfish or whatever. We all do that. But I'm talking about the person who showed up and you can tell they plan on being as chaotic, stupid as they can, or they just don't care about anybody else. And the sooner you realize that that person is that way, they can just as easily be a DM as they can be a player. Um, so at that point, the players need to boot that person's DM. So yeah. we're not playing with you anymore. So I, I think, frankly, I think all five kind of fall under that category of that person who from the first second never had any intention of playing nice or even being interactive or willing with the group at all. That brought up an interesting sub-question for me about uh, firing a DM. Yeah. That that is a thing that can happen. And are you someone that believes that that is an option for players at a table? Absolutely. I personally would be crushed if that happened to me. Um, but I could see where it could. Mm -hmm. And I think at the end of the day, you know, the, the whole idea of D&D, &D, and I'm speaking solely from a fifth edition perspective. Sure. Uh, you know, earlier editions very much were about, you, you could you could just war game the shit out of it with, with figures and all that kind of stuff. But fifth edition really strikes me as being about group storytelling, interacting with, with people. And if the group of people who are there to be, to create a story together as characters, aren't getting along with that DM for some reason, then yeah, I think they I think they need to do what you would do in a business meeting or a family or any other group of people who are willing to be together and first say, look, this isn't working. Here's why it's not working. You need to avoid being personal about it. I don't like the way you smell is not gonna be <laughs> that that's not valid. Sure. In any yeah. in any context. That's not valid. Right. Uh, you know, explain professionally, non personally why it ain't working see what their response is mm. and if they say well this is the way i am then they say well i guess it's not working out thank you thank you for putting the time and energy and effort in as a dm but it ain't gonna work interesting i, I always I, find that an interesting conversation because that is actually a belief that i also hold yeah. that anyone at the table has the right to say i don't think this relationship is working out because i do think that 5e is very much about the group as a whole yeah. and the group includes the dm yeah and that it's if you've got a five person party of players there's six people at that table oh yeah okay. oh yeah and that it's got to be about collaboration yeah. and yes anding one another and if one person isn't willing to do that at all that can be really problematic you know the the players are trusting that the dm is going to build or at least flesh out a living breathing world for them some people are better at that than others you know mm -hmm. and maybe that world is just a dungeon crawl chock full of stuff to run your sword through that's okay if that's the believable fully fleshed world that the players are looking for mm -hmm. and this is where that negotiation and communication comes in from the get-go right when you get a new dm or new players everybody should have that kind of uh like any relationship should have those negotiations mm -hmm. and say the DM is expecting the players to create characters that are that are people, that are personalities. Uh, even if that character is just Borbar the Barbarian, 
whose job is to run their sword through stuff, fine. Fully inhabit that person. If the players don't feel like the DM is doing what their expectations are, even though they've been fully communicated, and the DM feels like a player or the players aren't doing the same, then then they need to renegotiate the terms of that relationship. Interesting. Fascinating. What do you what do you think about Hollis Bush? I think that I would say I, I agree with you that if you are not willing to be participatory, that that's probably the, the top situation that would make me want to ask you why you're at my table. Yeah. Um, or make me want to ask you as, as a fellow PC what, what is bringing you here. Yeah. Um, and, and would really make me question why you were in the game and yeah. if, if we are a match. Now, to be fair about that, as you brought up with the, the DM question, I'm looking for certain things that not every player is looking for. I want an active role play scenario, no matter what role I'm playing in, in the group. Right. So for me, that collaborative storytelling will often take front seat to everything else. And if there's somebody who's like, I don't want to talk to anybody unless we're in combat, I'm going to struggle with that under any circumstance, and it's not that that's not a reasonable thing to right, want. Right. It's just a mismatch at the table. So then there's a question of how do we how do we work through this? And I think that comes up in that in that negotiation. While while you were saying that, I, I agree with you completely. It's not that your style is invalid nope. or theirs is invalid. It just means maybe you're not in the right group together. Yeah. Or maybe it means that your characters are such. If you role play that shit to where maybe your character is, is the face and does the talking and the interaction with the NPCs and the other character who doesn't interact except uh, in comic is very much kind of a uh, and can describe what they're doing yep. um, but doesn't come alive to a combat. Which you I've actually seen uh, done effectively and kind of love. Same. Yeah. If you do that and there's somebody who consistently sticks a knife in, in all of that, well they gotta go. Sure. Because they're just a chaos agent. That's not to say that you can't have a party of five players and a DM who are all egocentric, power trippy chaos agents sure. and have a friggin' ball with it. Exactly. As long as everybody knew everybody knew that's what it was going to be. Right. Now, pulling back just a little bit, in the spirit that I think Holly actually intended this mm. question, I'm gonna have a second go at it. Yeah. And I'm gonna Bring say if you insist on your character sheet being on a slate and then scratching your chalk across it, <laughs> you're out. Or your fingernails. Or your fingernails. Yeah. You're out. Yeah. If you insist on consistently being flatulent at on the purpose. table on purpose. Not because you can't help it. Not because you can't help it. You can be flatulent if you can't help it. Right. And everybody farts sometimes. But if you're just bringing it, if you're eating with the intention of filling that room with gas at a table game, screw you. You're out. You're out. If you insist upon being high beyond the point of ability to engage, because being high at the table is not in and of itself a reason to get booted from a game, but if you literally can't function because you are so inebriated, well, really, we just need to put you to bed and let you sleep. And off. that's really whatever it is, whether it's high, whether it's pain pills, whether it's yeah. because you've had too many beers at the table, whatever the hell it is, get out. Get out. 
you can't play today. Yeah. Sorry. You may not be able to play ever if you do this every single time. Right. Like, that's a thing. Can I add one? I wish you would, because we're only at three. If you insist on staring at your cell phone the whole time you're at oh, the table, yeah. until it's your turn for combat, and they go, hey, it's your turn. You go, what? Huh? Oh. How far away am I? Right. You're out. You're out. <laughs> you are out. <laughs> A hundred percent. Be present, fucker. <laughs> Listen. That's a, that's a, that's got to be a t-shirt. But be present. My favorite fucker. cantrip on the front, on the back. Be present, fucker. <laughs> okay, we're adding that there to it the t-shirt. There it is. We need one more. She wanted five. Oh, killing another player at the table. That's a straight up. I don't mean killing a PC. I mean you kill one of your fellow players at the table. Well, look, you gotta go. Is is the player one of the ones we were talking about before? That's maybe just uh, the the asshole. I mean, is it justified? When you put it in that light. I mean, okay, first degree murder, right out. Justified homicide, though. You got one. Yeah. Okay, hit me with it. If you bring pizza to the game. But you don't bring enough to share. Oh, get out. You're out. Get out. Get out. Truly. Yes. Thanks, okay. Holly. Great question. That was a good question. Lots, lots of discussion. I have two more. Can we do two more? Because one of them was a very specific request that I would like to be able to honor. The first one, I'm really delighted that people are asking. They want our Manhattan snowball recipe. Oh, we can do that. Uh, tell you what, let uh, we'll, we'll say it here on the air, okay. but we'll also put that up uh, on our Twitter feed. That sounds great. Yeah. Okay. So we can put it on our website too. We can. That's good. We'll post that in the blog section. Yeah, okay. No. <laughs> Never gonna let you go. <laughs> Never gonna let you go. Back, Alicia. Banished. <laughs> Banished again. So um, the first thing is. Make sure you don't have enough ice in the house. <laughs> that is key. Number one. Someone has to leave to don't, go get ice. Right. Um, and then make sure you don't have enough freezer space to put that <laughs> ice when they bring it back. So you have to rummage around in the garage for that cooler you haven't used for the past four and a half years. Um, then you have to clean out whatever's inside of it. Oh, no. You just put the bag in. Oh, just straight You in. don't dump it out of the bag in the cooler. You just put the bag in. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's rule number one. Uh, uh, number two in the recipe is pull out all of your grinding and smashing tools because you're not really sure if the blender is going to be right or the food processor. Just or, a hammer and You a know, bag. you say that. You say that. But I've honestly used the best thing for crushed ice with juleps I've ever used mm -hmm. is a meat tenderizer and a Ziploc bag. Well, okay. I stand corrected. You're sitting. But okay. I sit corrected. <laughs> um... So yeah, play around with all of your kitchen appliances until you've dirtied them all. Yes, <laughs> you have to use every use single one of them right. before you settle on the uh, one that will be your ice blender. Invariably, you're going to get the ice very fine, perfect for shaved ice. You're going to realize you don't want the damn thing right then and there, so you put it in the freezer where it's going to recongeal into little <laughs> chunks. So just realize you're not going to have a slushy or a, a, or a snowball. You're gonna have um, um, Jimmy Jimmy Bob's Chonky, uh, which I think you can find uh, out on I-71 in one of those little um, seasonal ice cream stands. Mm -hmm. Billy Bob's Chonky. Um, once you go through all this, <laughs> those are the important first steps, though. So are. don't leave them out. 
you want to mix up mm. one jigger of high rye bourbon. High rye. High rye. Or just rye whiskey. Sure. With one ounce. One ounce. Oh, we're using jiggers and ounces? Well, you got the big side on the measure and the small side on the measure. Okay. So the big side's the jigger. Mm -hmm. That's what's your whiskey. The small side you want to use. Now, I personally, I like, I prefer traditional Manhattans. I like sweet. Sweet. There's a okay. thing called perfect Manhattan, which is a mix of sweet and dry. Mm -hmm. Screw that shit. Uh, if you want dry vermouth, just drink a martini for crying out loud. So sweet vermouth. Mm -hmm. Then uh, you want to put a dash of Peychaud's, Peychaud's. which is the finest mm -hmm. of Louisiana bitters, uh, and a dash of something like either uh, uh, cherry bitters or Aztec chocolate. Fee Brothers makes a great line of flavor mm -hmm. bitters. A couple dashes of that, um, and then in a, addition to the Peychaud's. Yes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then a giant chunky spoonful of uh, your favorite cherry preserves mm -hmm. and just that cherry preserve that's important do, you right? do not want to do this without it because that's what takes it to a level. I mean you could use a maraschino cherry or something like that no, no. use the preserves no. use the preserves chunky preserves and then whatever kitchen appliance you have yet to use <laughs> mix it all up in that uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, put in a glass bowl mm -hmm. and enjoy with a spoon heck yeah Unless you have one of those little baseball caps that slushies used to come. Oh, with, please put it, in that. put it in the baseball cap. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. yeah, yeah. Okay. Your little Cincinnati Reds ice cream. Yeah, uh, thing. yeah. gotta do it. Okay. And we have one more. Is that right? We have one more question. Fantastic. Yes, and then and then we got to talk about cantrips, everybody. So our last question, uh, and I don't know if you're going to have an answer to this. I don't feel like I know your answer to this. Interesting. Has anything ever happened in a world that you have created mm. that haunts you? Haunts me? Yes. This very day. <laughs> in a world I've created yes. that haunts me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to ponder that for a second. Give me a moment, dear listener, while I ponder. Okay, dear listener. There's two or three things that, that stick out here for me. Haunting is an interesting word to use. I won't say I'm, I'm haunted necessarily, but there are a couple of things that keep coming back to me. One is I created a world that was a desert kind of caravan world a while back. And I added an element to it that I thought would give it real world stakes. And it did in some ways that I didn't expect. I had a totally random encounter. Literally, I rolled it off the table. It was a random encounter, and I filled it out. It was for a caravan that had been uh, destroyed, and there was one survivor left. Well, I chose to make this a slave caravan, and the survivor had been a slave. I thought my characters were going to, you know, take it on the bounce. Yeah, okay, cool. You know, we'll heal you up and, and you know, go off about your merry way. They took it so seriously in such a great way that the whole campaign went literally sideways as they decided that it was going to be their mission to wipe out this whole trade in this whole world 
I don't know if any of you uh, remember a role-playing, it was based on D&D, but of course they didn't use it. There's an author called Joel Rosenberg who wrote a series of books called The Guardians of the Flame, I think in the 80s, that was basically a bunch of college kids were playing a role-playing game and got sucked in, you know, the, the DM, you know, had a portal and uh, <laughs> wanted them to do stuff. I mean, we all did. We all did. And they got sucked into this world and, and became their characters and, and slavery was the thing and they chose to stay in this world. Clearly, it made an impression on me. Mm. I won't say I'm haunted, but uh, the whole thing, this thing that I meant to be taken seriously, was taken very, very, very seriously. Uh, one of the things that, that kind of does haunt me, though, is uh, uh, I had another campaign that was meant to be just kind of a one-off, as they all are, and turned <laughs> Six into... Six months into, later. Uh, Reagan, in like 18 months. We're still yeah. playing with that group. Yeah. Um, but they <laughs> encountered... Uh, I created this thing called the Undead Battlefield. And in this battlefield, there was this kind of mastermind, and they had to work their way through levels of this and that. And at the end, they came up against this kind of old man creature. Uh, you can find him. Shout a quick shout out to Cobalt Press. Uh, he's in the Tome of Beasts called Koshai. Mm. And it rang true for me because one of the books I read as a child was Lloyd Alexander's uh, Prudane series and Terran the protagonist of that series, comes across an old man in the woods who protects his life by keeping his finger bone. He's poured his soul into a finger bone, mm. and he keeps his finger bone somewhere else, kind of like a lich's phylactery or whatever. Yeah. And this guy, Koshai, has done the same thing. Um, and he's super powerful. He's like CR-18. And he was just so eerie. Mm. And he came up a couple of times, and the characters were just like, what is going on? And... So I was a little, I was a little haunted by that. I'd like to give a shout out to Reagan Ooh. as well for sitting across from me. One of the most recent things that I've had the pleasure of being a player character for, which, dear listener, you'll hear on the podcast, Ooh. is a campaign that that Reagan ran. The story went such a way that the party really kind of tore itself into some pieces in an interesting way because the characters we created were were had a whole lot all had a whole lot of baggage on purpose coming into it and uh, the setting while while fun and, and shenanigany was still pretty was still pretty gritty and uh, I'm kind of haunted by how those those player characters influenced the players themselves yeah and that kind of metaphysical kind of at, at what point does the does the pc meld into the player and vice versa yeah um so that's a long answer but those are kind of my my three reagan i, I would like to know is there anything in any of any of your worlds that you created or a world that you've played in yeah that that haunts you or has haunted you so it's funny that you use that last example of the gritty world and what it did to the players, what the players within it did, uh, and how the the characters versus the players yeah. and, and what that because that is that was the one that I was going to use for the answer to this. Oh, really? That that has it, it's not so much that it's haunted me. Haunted yeah. is a very specific word, but it's one that I've spent so much time thinking about and questioning whether that was always going to happen right. or whether. 
I somehow aligned the planets correctly so that it happened. Um, it's not that it's not interesting, yeah. but it isn't what I thought it was going to be. And we all know, we all get Sam snorkeled, especially yeah. as DMs. It's never it's what you think it's going to be. <laughs> and we'd like to all go work in the in the castle for the next six years. Right. What? We're going to retire. Yeah. I, there's always something that, that comes up that you don't expect. But then there are those things that you kind of find yourself as a DM really saying, did I make that happen? Mm. Did I mm. set it yeah. up such that it was the only thing that could ever happen? Right. And especially when you have an outcome that really has a, a one-two emotional punch. That is one that, that really forces you to ask that question. So I would say that same campaign, same same same, on that definitely left me with some feels. And to hear a PC saying the same thing yeah. is an interesting one to me. That's cool. And here's double interesting, is that my other example of yeah. me being a PC is in that desert campaign, yeah. which I was in. And it's something that... That was a home table campaign yeah, that we did we were both at a table. And I played a character that I times. still to this day love. I hope I get to play her again. She was so fun. But she had some pretty intense baggage in some interesting ways. And there was a moment at which there was a conflict happening with an NPC. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I had no choice but to pull out the nuclear option, which in my case was an emotional nuclear option. And I, the character appeared to be a little girl, but was not, she was an adult, but she appeared to be a little girl. And she challenged the leader of this caravan and basically said, do you want to spank a little girl? Do you want to hurt a little girl? And just played it all the way through. And that still kind of haunts me because yeah. that is a creepy, creepy moment for her to have played the little girl card intending to make him look horrible in front of everybody else. And it was, boy, there was electricity at the table that day. Yeah, this was, that was one of those campaigns that, and it's funny you, you brought up Did I as the DM. That's one of those things where I thought, did I do that? Did I make this too real? Did this inflame some real tensions and real feelings that led to a mismatch in, in the game reality matrix and cause it to, to break up? Of course, we also headed into a, into a pandemic and none of us were able to get together anymore, but those are the moments that could be triggering for some people. Mm -hmm. And they could be creepy and weird, but at the same time, they are the things that bring such narrative weight to mm -hmm. the story that you go, holy crap, this is akin to one of the best novels I've ever read. It's making me cry. It's, it's making me feel all the feels. But it's a game, and I'm playing it, and I'm participating in it, and I'm part of That stuff is the real fine razor's edge between this is the crap I live for in D&D, and this is the crap that I run away from, indeed. Yep. And that's a real fine line. It's there. a very fine line. Yeah. 100%. Great questions. Good questions, right? Hey, thank you, everybody, for submitting your questions uh, for us to talk about this month. God, I had a great time answering those. I know. Those are so great. What do you think? 
Oh, I loved them. Yeah. I love these questions. They were so fun to curate. I had wanted to find a way to include every single one that, yeah. we, that we got, and they're just, just can't. we just can't. Maybe we'll save some for a future episode. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. We'll, we'll play with that. Well, we're always happy to take questions, too. In, in fact, in one of our Patreon tiers, yes. uh, we have a uh, Ask a DM uh, situation mm -hmm. where if you've got a serious concern or issue or problem going on in your campaign or you're just curious, we'll happily give you our two cents. Uh, frankly, Reagan, I wouldn't mind where we answer a question or two from listeners every month. I love it. I, love I do, it. too. But you know what we need to do now? I do. Let's talk some cantrips. Yeah. You got one pulled out? I do. Awesome. Yeah. Can't wait to hear it. Lance. Reagan. Tell me what your favorite cantrip is tonight. You want to know? I do. Well, pretty excited about this one. <laughs> oh, we've reached that stage. Well... <laughs> I pulled out one that I like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I don't use it that often. Oh, okay. It's got limited utility, but when you're beset all around. When you're beset? Beset. All around. All around. Okay. It's, it's pretty useful. The cantrip that I've taken down from the library shelf tonight. Mm -hmm. Pulled that slim little volume indeed, down. Indeed, indeed. It's a massive tome, actually, <laughs> um, from my solar paper. Ah. <laughs> This cantrip first appeared in a slim little tome that came out in like 2015, Whoa. way back in the early days. Of Whoa five there! Years. Whoa! Whoa! Easy, mister. <laughs> Does Generation I even know when that is? <laughs> a little book called The Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. Mm -hmm. um, and there were some spells back then. It's a handy book. Uh, it has been renewed in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Ah, uh, and it's called... Well, that makes it canon. It does. Well, it was canon before. Because it doubles the canon. Double canon? It's two canons. It's no longer a demi-canon. It's, it's a duplicate. It's a duplicate. <laughs> it's called Swordburst. Swordburst? Yeah. I don't know this cantrip at all. It's a burst you, of swords. Could you tell us I about can. it? I can. It's a conjuration cantrip. So right there it tells you it's, it's conjuring something up. It's an arcane spell. Mm -hmm. um, when you are, again, beset on all sides, it conjures a burst of swords. Wow. Psychic blades whirling all around you within five feet. You literally, literally yes. become a food processor. Kind of. Yeah. 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 It's like blade barrier, but up close to your body. Uh-huh. Let me give you a scenario. Please do. You're out hunting one night. Mm-hmm. You're chasing a, a herd of semi-nomadic hot goblins. <laughs> because you want to eat their psoas muscles. Only one of them. Always go for the juveniles, right? <laughs> They're the most tender. They're the most tender. And sadly, the tables are turned. Oh, no. And they discover you. <gasps> and they surround you. And they They're start, on all sides. They're on all sides. You're beset. You're beset. And they start whacking at you with their weapons. Boop. Sword burst. Woof. It's a cantrip. Wow. You can do it every... Do it every every round. If you can you do want. it once around. Takes your action, but hey. But still. But still. And if you're a little is bit there a safe? if you're a little bit higher level, yes. you can sword burst and still cast a oh. spiritual Oh my. Bonus what? Right? Dang. Dang. Uh, but what it does, you create a momentary circle of spectral blades. Every other creature within five feet of you 
on any side makes a deck save. Oh, a deck save. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, well, and if they fail, they take a d6 of force damage. Wow. Yeah. Force damage. Force damage is nice. Force is super nice because guess what? Almost nothing is resistant or immune to force damage. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And of course, like all cantrips, it increases uh, by d6 at 5th, 11th, and 17th level. So, Fantastic. again, you know, you got enemies all around, bam. Boom, bop, bop. Call your spiritual weapon. Whack, whack. Bam. Sword bop, burst. Bop. Spiritual weapon. Bam, bam. Whack. Sword burst. You know, and just stand there while they get you to us. Let it turn them into crushed ice. It does raise the question, though. Of, yes. Is it a food processing? Is it? Is it's it, not a blender. Is it a mixer? A blender? No, it can't be a blender. Blender's down at the bottom. Food processors all around. See? Okay. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Solved it. Yep. So that's my favorite cantrip for tonight. Nice. And uh, one I didn't know. Yeah, it's pretty okay. And uh, <laughs> your enthusiasm I, is frankly am, contagious. Well, again, it's one of those that I, I'm just not sure how useful it is at a low level. But man, it's it's great at at a, at a little bit higher level when you've got a bonus action. That you can do. Sure. Well, what about you? What did you pull out? I'll tell you what I pulled out. I'm yeah. going to pull it oh. out, oh. literally. You literally pulled it out. Those damn birds in their origami. <laughs> Tonight I chose one that I don't use a lot, but that I keep wanting to find a way to use. Oh, wait. <laughs> hey, mister. <laughs> I got a message for you. It's me. <laughs> no, it's not. It's me. Too <laughs> it's me, Conquery. <laughs> because you hate the baby birds doesn't mean that they are hateful. Dear listeners, listen to episode seven. Please do. Message. It is a cantrip. I have a job. <laughs> Come now. <laughs> Sorry. I desperately want to find a way to use message more. Oh yeah. Because message is mm, yeah. great. Sounds cool. It seems great. And yet the few times I've taken it, I've never found a way to effectively use it because the party doesn't split up. Did you I want me to tell so. you about the cantrip? I, I do. I do okay. want you to tell me very much so. But okay. I'm gonna say I think that's because most players don't know what they're doing. Oh. We're gonna cut that. <laughs> but yeah, you you've got to be away from each other. You do. There's there's no point in taking mm -hmm. message if you're always within eight feet of each other. No. Tell us about that cantrip so that dear listeners know what, what the we're heck talking, you're talking about. about. Yeah. So you point your finger toward a creature within range, which is 120 feet. Um, it's a transmutation cantrip. You point your finger Ooh. and you whisper a message. The target and only the target, yeah, see, that's, that's cool. what's cool. Here's the message and can reply mm. in a whisper that only you can hear. Dope. You can cast the spell through God. solid objects if you're familiar with the target and you know it is beyond the barrier. Now, there are some things in which it doesn't work. Message. This is a cantrip? This is a cantrip. This should be like a fourth level spell. I know, right? So magical silence, one foot of stone, an inch of metal, a thin sheet of lead, I don't know why that's different than metal, or three feet of wood blocks, that is somebody that is really building a, a castle right there. When your rogue is sneaking in to steal that bauble from the child that has too many wood blocks. <laughs> too many wood blocks. 
Uh, it'll it'll block the spell. Oh no, no, three feet of wood blocks the spell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it helps to finish the sentence. No, it's it's on the podcast <laughs> canon now. It's three feet of wood blocks. It's <laughs> 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 that three feet tall, three feet thick, yeah. three feet wide. Yeah. It's all of them. Yeah. <laughs> there are three feet of wood blocks. Well, now determine it's three cubic feet of wood blocks. <laughs> the spell doesn't have to follow a straight line. And can travel freely. Now that would be nine cubic feet around corners and through openings. See, see, I don't know how that works in blocks either because there's little openings. Here's the thing. Yeah. D and D players these days think in twenty foot increments. They really do. Yeah, that is a problem. Look, you can shoot your damn longbow six hundred feet for crying out loud. You why are you step away from the Why board. are you waiting until you're ten feet up before you're trying to shoot something with a longbow? See, and here's the thing about that, and this is something, it's become a trope and, and a joke and a meme and all those things, but it actually is something that I think a lot of parties would benefit from not doing, which is the don't split the party yeah, thing. Yeah. I think don't split the party means don't go off on a secondary adventure, not don't go over there. Here's another thing. Tips, tips for DM right here. Yes. You don't like your party, here's how to kill them. It's not message. They are spoiler they, alert. They are uh, marching down the forest trail. You've got them in a marching order, right? <laughs> I think you've tried to do this. But you've to got a party that I've been in before. You've, you've uh, uh, your your person who's on point is twenty feet in front of the rest of the party, and everybody else is ganged up in the middle in a single file line. You know what? All you need is a wizard to stand 60 feet away and cast lightning bolt. And you know what? <laughs> They're all fucking dead. They're it's all true. dead. It's true. It's true. They're all dead. Frankly, probably even a fireball would get that because parties don't think strategically. Mm. Right? Oh. Don't think strategically. We're going deep. Well, I want to hear how you think message could be useful. Oh, I think there are so many what do you ways do to in use which that? message could be useful. Give us a couple. So if you are trying to be strategic mm -hmm. and say you're trying to flank something okay. or you're trying to um, divide and conquer where you come in from two sides to come at one thing that you know is up ahead, being able to coordinate that way because it's a cantrip. You right. can cast it again and again and again. Over and over. Yeah. So until you're actually in combat, you can be sending message and whisper back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So you're talking to a party member who's actually 120 feet away from you. Here's an interesting idea. Tell me. You set up an ambush. Yes. Right? See? And you've got you got a party of five. One of them is the wizard or whatever it is. Is this a is this an arcane spell? This it's arcane, right? Yes. You so you got your wizard yep. or your bard or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. It in the back. Yeah. In a position of coordination. Yeah. They've got the message cantrip. Yep. The other four members of your party are spread out in a semicircle in front of you. Each of them is 60 feet away from the coordinator, or 80, or 100, yep. and they can be 40 feet away from each other. Covering a lot of ground, seeing a lot of stuff. Exactly. And you haven't split the party. You're just in a, in a group. The coordinator is, every round, they're reaching out to somebody. Hey, how you doing? You okay? You see anybody yet? And, and that person responds back. Hey, how you doing to the next one? There's a great way to do it. Absolutely. Who thinks that way? Yeah. Let's all go to sleep and sleep together next to a campfire within ten feet of each other. You know, um, what if you send your row up into that fourth-story building? Really, are we casting spider climb on the paladin in full plate? 
Why would we do that? Yeah. Just have the wizard communicate. But we do. We do. Just but have the wizard communicate with the rogue via message. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And let's face it, if you have to be within 120 feet, you're really, especially if you take a dash action, action for most characters, it's not going to be that many rounds before they get there. Yeah. You know, so if you're really worried about that, you're not that 60 far feet away. away is one dash. Right? It's a dash. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. Or a tenth of your range with your longbow. There you go. Message is one that I, as a player, would like to find yeah. myself using more. I've taken it a few times yeah. and not done a good job of using it. Yeah. So I wanted to give it a little bit of love because it's a, it's a cantrip that I want to have be one of my favorite cantrips, even though it isn't currently one that I default to. Reagan, that's a great choice. Thanks. You picked a great cantrip. I appreciate it. You're that. so right on all of that. Something that, that, that reminds me of that, that is related that um, doesn't get enough love either, mm. but that pisses me off as a DM. Oh, I friggin' hate this game. Give me with it. As a DM. Mending. Really? Hate it. Why? You set you go through all the trouble of setting up the, the acid pool dripping off the ceiling. You're you're gonna like you're, you're gonna waste that brand new shiny armor that the paladin's wearing as they trudge through. And you know what? There's a damn wizard there who's been holding up the hem of their robes and they got I cast mending on it. And everything's fine again. And they can mend everything. It's true. It's true. It's a great cantrip, totally underused, and as a DM, I hate it. You know, Message is different. Message is, is that's great. Totally cool. Could do some really fun stuff with it. Yeah. You know what you can't mend with the mending cantrip? A broken heart. Oh, oh. Can't you? I don't think so. Even if it had like an arrow through it, can't you mend it? I don't think you can no, mend the arrow. I don't think you can. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Lance, I think we have uh, squeezed all the juice from this lemon. From that heart? From that, that broken, from that, that that broken, broken bloody broken, heart. Unmendable heart. Yes, I think we have too. Reagan, this was a great session tonight. Thanks. I love your cantrip. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, I feel equally in semi-enthusiastic about your cantrip. <laughs> I think you're... you're um, Rapidly looking in the front of the book to see who wrote that cantrip, so you can send him a note and say, no, hey, look. I will say, actually, I think that being able to turn yourself... Using a cantrip, being able to turn yourself into a food processor... It's pretty flippant awesome. You know, again, it's 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 got some limited utility, but but when the circumstances are right, bam. Boom. Bam. Don't get beset. Or I will bring out the food you know processor. What? Then you're a ninja. Right. Literally, brand name. You are a ninja, TM. Send me out with a message. Communicate with me and I can just go and food process anything that comes in. Just, and communicate with you. You're just blitzing it. You're just blitzing it. Just a little bit of puree. That's all. Thanks, Reagan. Thanks, Lance. Hey, dear listeners, don't forget to go find us on Twitter and Patreon and our website, and we'll see you down the road. Thanks to your listeners. That's right. Hashtag my favorite cantrip. Love you. Bye. This has been another Weird Mimosa.